following live broadcast is a production of the Aquinas Independent Ministries of Maryland. In Christ, we are a kingdom. In this kingdom are many villages, and each of these villages do things in their own way, but still pay allegiance to the same King. This ministry is all about bringing a stronger connection to this kingdom, Christ's kingdom. One family, one unit, one mighty force of salvation under God's providence. We are the Akinus. We thank you for joining us for our Sunday afternoon message. Many interesting events happened during the few weeks leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. These biblical events are worthy on their merit, but are sometimes overlooked for their significance regarding Jesus' resurrection. Let's join Pastor Steve as he shares part of his pre-Easter series, The Road to the Cross, in this week's Sunday afternoon message titled, The Lazarus Effect. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Pastor Steve Huffmeister, and I am the senior pastor and president of the Akinos Independent Ministries of Maryland. And I want to thank you for joining us this afternoon for our Sunday afternoon message. Um, if you tried to view us uh, or view our Sunday afternoon message last week, you probably were quite disappointed because we were having some technical difficulties that we weren't quite able to overcome our video equipment was wanting to have a bad day and despite our efforts to try to get it up and going it was well almost four o'clock before we got everything to work and that was just just too late to too late to get started um so anyway welcome uh that's pretty much what happened last week and we apologize for that um no no other real things to say other than uh well let's get started um <clears throat> today we're gonna explore jesus and the story of his friend lazarus and how the story ties to the upcoming season or some call Passion Week religious holidays. Uh, through my reading and listening to others preach, I find that the significance of the story is sometimes, in particular in this case, the, the story of Jesus and Lazarus, are sometimes overlooked for its connection to Jesus' resurrection. And we'll explore the significance today. As always, though, let's open today's message with prayer. <coughs> Excuse me. Wonderful Heavenly Father, 
the God of all that is, all that was, and all that ever will be. Father, we thank you for bringing us together once again here on the internet to study your word, to share your glory, and to do our part to bring more people to understand you, understand your son Jesus Christ, and the Christian life. Father, I ask that you be with us and you bless us as we delve into your word and the events that built up to the resurrection of your son during his earthly time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> excuse me. We've had quite of a temperature fluctuation in our area here lately. When during the day it gets nice and warm, but in the evenings and afternoons the temperature starts to drop, and it, it just drives my my body nuts here. So please excuse my throat. <clears throat> All right, so you may have heard me talk about the sto this story before. Uh, during um, the series that we did on the Beatitudes, the Check Your Beatitudes series. Um, but in this message today, we're going to take a little bit of a different approach on it than we did with the, the, during the uh, Beatitudes. We'll start today, start today's exploration from the position that we're all familiar with the story of Lazarus and Jesus. It is essential for our exploration that everyone has the basic storyline. If you're not familiar with the story, here's, here's a quick summary. Jesus is informed that his friend Lazarus in Judea, the region known as Judea, is sick. Jesus returns to Judea with his disciples to see his friend, who at this point has died. Jesus brings Lazarus, his friend Lazarus, back to life from his tomb. Okay, that's the basic storyline. Now that's, you know, if you don't know the, story, the whole story, that's fine. Because we're going to walk through the whole story piece by piece. But to gain a thorough understanding of things from the beginning, you need to have that basic storyline in mind right now. So, the other thing that we need to identify here before we continue is that in this story, there is an individual named Mary. And the Mary in this story is a different Mary than the Mary that gave birth to Jesus we're not talking about, you know, the, the Virgin Mary, Mary and Joseph. We're not talking about her. This is a completely separate Mary that exists in this story. <clears throat> Mary apparently was a rather popular name. Or in um, some, for example, um, not that there's any comparison between the Bible and the Quran, but the Quran refers to her as Miram. M-I-R-I-M. Um, but anyway. Uh, let's see. Where am I at? <laughs> I 
got off on a tangent. Um, let's start by reading in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44 is where we're going to be doing our exploration today. I will be pausing throughout the reading to point out some things and to make some commentary. But I'll be putting the words up on the screen so you'll, you'll know when it's me talking and which is scripture. Uh, but let's start our reading. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. <laughs> and I just said I was going to put it up on the screen. Alright, sorry about that. Let me start from the top now since I got it up on the screen. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later, pour, later poured the expensive perfume on, Jesus, on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Now, this is an event that we will talk about in another message of this particular series. Um, we're not covering this today, but I wanted to mention that. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard what... Sorry about that. But when Jesus heard about what he said, or what it had said, sorry, I got a typo there. Lazarus, he, Jesus said, or he said, okay, there's my typo. Forgive me. When Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, and that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So, what did Jesus mean when he said, No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, when you read this account like a story, this statement doesn't quite fit right. It, it, it kind of throws off course a little bit. But let's break it down into pieces so we can understand what Jesus was saying a little better. <clears throat> Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. Okay? Here Jesus is confidently, or confidently tells us that Lazarus' illness will not end in death. Notice how I said that. Jesus didn't say Lazarus would not die, just that it would not end in death. Okay? So... The next thing that was said is, no, it happened for the glory of God. Okay? It happened. 
Not it will happen. Not it did happen. It happened. Do you notice the past tense here? Jesus didn't say it is happening for the glory of God. Jesus said it happened. Implying that it has already transpired. In these two sections, Jesus expresses a prior knowledge of the events occurring with Lazarus and that it's all part of a bigger plan. <clears throat> so the next part of what we have read, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. This section. Jesus is pointing out that he has a part to play in these events yet to come. Alright. So our next question is, why would Jesus delay going to see Lazarus? This is somebody Jesus considers a dear friend. Okay? Based on the past tense, of Jesus' statement, one can deduce that Lazarus is already dead. When you look at it through this magnifying this magnifying approach. But we could perceive Jesus' delay was to allow time for Lazarus to be prepared and placed in the tomb. The timetable will make a little more sense further in our reading. <clears throat> wow, but pardon me for the throat clearing. Let's continue reading the scripture. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Remember, Bethany is in the region of Judea. Um, but his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? So, previous to this Lazarus story in John chapter 10, Jesus was teaching in Judea where he referred to himself as the Son of God. And that he and God were the same. This enraged people to pick up stones, threatening to stone him for blasphemy. For this reason, they left Judea, crossed the Jordan River, and were staying in Perea. Here is what Jesus responded to this concern. Jesus replied, There are twelve hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk... Sorry. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling... Because they have no light. What does light have to do with it? Well, this question is answered in three scriptures from outside of this chapter. 
that Jesus previously said. The first one is in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, which reads, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way that your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Okay, that's Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16. Our next one is John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. Now, and if I happen to move too fast for you with this, I encourage you to go back and watch the recording and pause while you find, um, you know, you find your page and your scripture. That's the beauty of um, this being on the internet, because you can always go back and go back over what I'm saying. At your own pace. And by all means if you have any questions. I'll, by all means reach out to me. You know I'll be glad to help walk you through it. Or answer any questions you might come up with. Um, anyway. John chapter 8 verse 12. <clears throat> I am the light of the world. If you follow me. You won't have to walk. In darkness. You know, pay attention, real pay attention to this one. Let's start again. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. Okay, it's John chapter 8, verse 12. Our next one, that's a little further down in John. John chapter 9, verses 3 through 5. John chapter 9, verses 3 through 5. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sends us. The night is coming and then no one can work but while i am here in the world i am the light of the world this is jesus talking about himself i always showed what jesus says in red just for your reference jesus's words quotes are in red on your screen what Jesus was conveying here is the people trying to stone him are spiritually blind. They are only seeing half of the story. For their eyes to be opened to the light, okay, the light we've identified as Jesus, the light of the world, he must return to Judea to see Lazarus. All right, we'll continue our scripture reading here. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. 
but now I will go and wake him up. <clears throat> the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better soon. Or, he will soon get better, is how that's actually worded. He will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply asleep, simply sleeping it off. But Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. So, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe... Come, let's go see him. Alright, so this section of, or segment of scripture here kind of solidifies what I said previous, or we previously explored earlier. No one has come to announce to Jesus that Lazarus has died. The disciples had no knowledge of this which is why they were confused by Jesus' reference to Lazarus sleeping. This section also points out that Jesus knew that he was going back to Judea to bring Lazarus back to life. This creates the ultimate proving ground for Jesus to prove his divine nature to his disciples before the journey to and his death on the cross. In particular, let's look at the line that's on the top of the screen here. Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. <coughs> Pardon me once again. As morbid and cruel as it may sound, this emphasizes what I mentioned earlier. Lazarus needed to die. It was in the greater plan for Lazarus to die. Lazarus dying paved the way for Jesus to make a strong public impression when both his disciples and in the very region where the people previously tried to stone him for his bold claims of being the Son of God. Jesus makes this very clear here that he is not doing it for his own benefit, but for the greater purpose of belief. <clears throat> Reading one again in the scripture, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said that he said to his fellow disciples, "Let's go too and die with Jesus." Now, Thomas's response should not come off too shocking. The disciple we've already read the disciples believed that this trip was a bad move. After the experience with the enraged, or enraged stoning mob, they thought that they were walking into certain death for themselves by going back to Judea. And Thomas, as we will explore in another message, has trouble conceiving the reality of Jesus' divine being. 
Sure, he knows Jesus is a great teacher and a miracle worker and is committed to the cause, but he seems to struggle with the supernatural concepts of Jesus' abilities. So, we continue with Jesus arriving in Bethany as we continue reading. When Jesus arrived, when Jesus arrived in Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. In the grave for four days. This is the point where Jesus is notified by somebody that Lazarus was actually dead. <clears throat> if you remember, we just read Jesus and his disciples stayed where they were in Perea for two days after receiving the news about Lazarus. That Lazarus was sick, not that Lazarus was dead. Okay? They remained there for two additional or two days. The exact location of where Jesus was at in Perea is still a topic of theological debate today. And I think there's like, if I remember from my reading, I wanted to note this down. I believe there were three possible locations that are debated on where he exactly was at this uh, historical point in his time in Perea. The closest acceptable, or the closest accepted possibility, according to my research, was roughly 10 miles away from Lazarus's location. And if you consider travel time by foot, rest stops, the fact that they would have to cross back over the Jordan River and so forth, arriving after Lazarus had been entombed for four days is really not that hard to believe. <clears throat> I'll continue our scripture reading. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come from Jerusalem to console Mary or Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in or Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, "Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even but even now, I know that God will give you Whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection. And the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. 
Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you were the Messiah. Pardon me. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. It's apparent in this section that Martha believed in Jesus' teachings because she acknowledged that Lazarus would have risen in the last days as Jesus previously taught. As we already established though, Jesus has other plans for Lazarus. Okay. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. Okay, so it, it's... Is it not obvious at this point why Jesus and disciples would refrain from going into the village? Well, it should be, because they didn't want to stir up things like the stoning incident before. Okay? It is my person... Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I got a little ahead of myself there. When the people... Back to reading the scripture. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her. They followed her there. It is my personal opinion from my study here that Martha and Mary were trying to slip out from the crowd of mourners to meet Jesus in an attempt to avoid a further conflict. This, however, was contrary to God's plan so the mourners caught on and caught on that she was leaving and followed her. Okay? Reading further, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, Come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him? But some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? 
Why was Jesus angry and deeply troubled? And on top of that, why was he weeping? Okay, this is the son of God. This is a man who can make things happen by snapping his fingers. Okay? He made stone he made stones sing at one point. Okay? Sometimes we neglect to remember that though Jesus is the Son of God, at this stage, he is also human, subject to pain and emotion. Even though he has the power of God, does not mean he is not experiencing human emotional turmoil from, pardon me, from his friend's death. But add on top of it, Martha and Mary saying, if only you had come sooner. So, there's also the distinct possibility that some of the mourners were some of the very people who tried to stone him when he was in the Jordan region previously. Okay, so let's take, just check out the last line here and the scripture segment. <clears throat> in this particular scripture segment, anyway. See how much he loved him, but some said this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Well, of course... Of course Jesus loved Lazarus. Forgoing the fact that Jesus considered him a dear friend, Jesus loves everyone. So this exclamation could not be more, on, more spot on. Okay? As far as the second half of this line, oh boy, are these people in for a surprise. <laughs> so, we continue with Jesus arriving at Lazarus's tomb. <clears throat> Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Now, <clears throat> with that said, with that read, we need to take a minute and consider Martha's protest. Okay? Four days in the tomb without modern embalming, likely in the heat common to the region, and this, this tomb is a stone cave. Can you imagine? That would be terrible odor. Four days dead, no embalming. Well, no modern embalming. They had their processes of using um, various spices and perfumes and various layers of... Um, if you're familiar with mummif Egyptian mummification, it wasn't quite that complex, but they had different layers of things that they would 
wrap the body in. Um, so let's let's consider let's now consider this as well and keep this in mind as keep in mind for Jesus's resurrection also. Keep all that little data in the back of your brain here. The stone. Let's talk about the stone um, that Jesus asked to be rolled aside. We need to put this in perspective too. This is not as simple as unlocking a door and swinging it open. Calling it a stone is actually an understatement. What we're talking about here is something more like a boulder. A boulder large enough to block off an entry roughly the size of a full sheet of plywood. Now, you know, if you've been to your local um, hardware store, you've seen where the plywood stocked up, you get an idea how big a full sheet of plywood is, which, you know, is usually like four feet by eight feet. So we're talking about in that, that range of size. You know, it could be smaller, it could be a little bit bigger. But I just use that as an illustration of what kind of size we're talking about in relation to this, this stone that can be rolled away and the entrance that it had to cover. Add on top of that, that there have been multiple theological studies and scientific concepting and whatnot that these stones weighed around one ton or so. Or equivalent to a full-size pickup truck. And required several people to roll, roll it aside with much effort. It wasn't just, okay, everyone on three push. It took some push and tug to get this thing to move. Imagine trying to roll a one truck, a roll, a one, two, three, four, five. Pardon me. Imagine trying to roll a one-ton rock sideways across the ground by hand. Okay? I don't know about you, but I struggle to carry an 80-pound bag of concrete across the backyard. Let alone trying to move a one-ton boulder away from a doorway. Okay, so continuing on in our word again, Jesus responded, Did, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Now, I like to think what Jesus was getting at here was a polite way of saying, if God is all-powerful, and you believe this to be true, don't you think God would address the smell issue? You know, it's kind of a, you know, okay, well, you know, I'm going in there, you know, you believe in me, you think I would, you know, we think we would have this considered. Um, so, we continue. So, they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so that they will believe that you sent me. 
Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Talk about phoning it in, right? It was the call to heaven that Jesus really didn't need to make. But did so to increase the believability of his divine or his divinity, pardon me, among the witnessing crowd. Lazarus, come out. Okay? He called out to God, he prayed to God verbally what he could have just thought in his own mind. As I said before, snap his fingers, wave his hand, blink his eyes, or even just think it could have made this, ha or could have made this happen without calling out to God the Father. Can you imagine the shock and the awe that must have fallen over this crowd to see the man they had just been mourning walk out of the tomb when his own power that they had just recently put him into. So, how does the story of Lazarus have anything to do with Easter? Well, Jesus healed and returned people to life during his travels and ministry. You read all through the New Testament about these very things. This we know, but in this case, Jesus just raised a man who had been dead for four days. Maybe more if you consider burial preparations. Let's keep this in mind as we wrap up today's message, that Jesus will soon claim that he himself will rise from the grave in only three days. This we know today can and did happen. The other aspect of this is the public demonstration that one can indeed be resurrected from death. The scriptures that we, that we will open with the next part of this series say, Many that followed Mary to the tomb came to believe in Jesus by witnessing this event. <clears throat> Pardon me. Can you imagine the word of mouth spread on this there had to be enormous an enormous flood of questions being thrown at the pharisees and the religious teachers buzzing about the temples over this this event shook the very core of the pharisees and the religious teachers that were constantly on jesus's heels trying to make him look like a fool. This event is a frequently overlooked, defining moment that will push the Pharisees 
to call for Jesus to be dealt with more harshly. How magnificent is Jesus Christ? Who fed thousands with a few loaves and some fish, turned water into wine, made the lame walk and the blind see, and now has made a man who had been dead for several days walk out of the tomb on his own two feet. This is the power and the majesty of our God. This event is a defining moment that starts the course of events we call the Easter season. And there is even more to come that we will explore next week where we'll continue our pre-Easter exploration on the religious leaders plotting to kill Jesus starting in John chapter 11 verse 45. So wrapping this up, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Glorious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the lessons we've learned about his miracle of raising Lazarus from the grave and the, the exhibition of your almighty power, Lord. Father, we pray that you will Keep this knowledge that was shared today fresh in our minds as we continue our way towards celebrating the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that these words and this lesson dwell in the minds of those who have heard it as they begin to picture the time frame and experiences that came for us and as well as the experiences that Jesus encountered during this flow of the story of Easter and Lord we pray that it will it will touch the hearts and the minds of those that need to hear it in Jesus name wonderful Jesus name we pray. Amen. So, having read this story and going through the steps of how this um, miracle of Lazarus being raised from the grave has transpired and how it ties in to Jesus's um, road to the cross have you felt a need to bring Jesus into your life today have you felt the call from Jesus through this powerful story if you feel that call to ask Jesus Christ into your life, then I encourage you to pray this invitation prayer that I'm going to put up on the screen here in a moment. 
asking Jesus into your life. You're more than welcome to say you're in prayer, and I highly encourage that. And, you know, lay, lay your, your troubles, your burdens, your fears at Jesus' feet in your prayer. And make it personal, make it yours. I highly encourage that. And thank Jesus Christ for opening your heart. Ask him into your life. Sharing your struggles, pain, and fears. Laying them at his feet in your prayer. If you need help or just need someone to pray with you, by all means, give us a call. Drop us an email. Send us a message on social media. And either myself or one of my trusted people would be glad to um, meet with you or talk with you or, or pray with you over the phone. Um, you can get through to us the information that will be shared at the end of the, this message. And we'll be glad to pray with you. We'll be glad to talk to you. So for those who want to follow along, say this prayer with me. Glorious Heavenly Father, thank you for opening my heart. I pray you will come into my life and be the guiding light that I need to walk my journeys according to your will and the guidance of your word. Father, I ask that you forgive me of my sins, that I may start new with your grace. Amen. If you've said this prayer with an open heart or open and solemn heart, then I say, Welcome, my brother or my sister. To the family of God. I'd like to invite you to make a relationship with a local Christian church in your community. Um, they should be about Jesus Christ dying on the cross. You save us from our sins and rising again to the glory of heaven to sit at the right side of God. They should teach God's word according to the Bible. And there are many different Christian churches around the world, and we encourage you to pray for guidance as you search for one that makes you feel accepted and supported. You know, at this stage, this point of our ministry, with us doing these messages um, through the Internet, you know, we're not trying to be a church substitute we're merely striving to be a stepping stone for you to make a connection with an actual church an actual community of people that is the whole backbone of our ministry is connecting people to a church that will make them feel accepted and supported um so we don't expect you to necessarily tune in every Sunday and consider us your church. We'd much rather you make a connection with an actual physical body of Christ. So, in conclusion, 
Um, I hope you've enjoyed today's message. I hope you've learned from today's message. And I pray that you will continue to learn from the growth of this series that I am I'm literally writing on the fly every week as we go with this. Uh, I've actually um, got two more pieces of this series that actually precede this that are still in the works. But being that we are getting so close to Palm Sunday, I decided we were going to start here and move forward and fill in the rest um, at a later date. But anyway, um, in closing, I am Pastor Steve Huffmeister, who can't find his little... <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that's me. Okay. I'm Pastor Steve Huffmeister, and I thank you for watching. God bless you, and we will see you next week. We hope you have been blessed and enjoyed today's message. We enjoy hearing from our viewers, and welcome your feedback and questions. Please reach out to us by postal mail, email, online, or by phone. Help us spread God's Word by subscribing to our YouTube channel. We are also available on Facebook and Twitch. Your subscription and support increase our viewership on these social media platforms. Don't forget to check out Pastor Steve's podcast available through Spotify and other podcast platforms. Spotify subscribers will be able to listen to full songs that Pastor Steve incorporates into his episodes, so please consider subscribing. Your continued support and donations are what give us the ability to bring you productions, such as the one you have been viewing today. Please consider donating to our ministry, so that we may continue to expand and spread God's Word and the glory of Jesus Christ in the areas we serve. We look forward to you joining us again next week for our Sunday afternoon message. On behalf of Pastor Steve, and the entire Diaconos Independent Ministries of Maryland family, we thank you again for watching, and may God bring you blessings. Thank mm -hmm. you.